Well, if you haven't been with us in a while, or if this is the first time that you are joining us, we are currently working through a sermon series that we've titled Our Champion. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at these conversations that Jesus had with different individuals after his resurrection. And what we've found as we've journeyed through those conversations is that Jesus is the champion of the, the doubter. Jesus is the champion of the broken, right? Jesus is the champion of the traitor. And this morning, we're going to find that Jesus is the champion of the restless. You know, one thing that I think all people desire to have, but which often people lack, is peace, right? Instead of peace, there's stress. Instead of peace, uh, we are filled with worry, anxiety, and fear. Some people are fearing the next doctor's report. Some people are fearing the next major downturn in the, the economy and how that might you know, affect their investments. Some fear losing their job. Some fear that they're not going to be able to find a job. Some fear how their kids are going to do in school. Others are afraid to die. Instead of peace, you know, many of us are filled with stress, we're filled with anxiety, we're filled with worry, we're filled with fear, and we are restless. And on top of a lot of those negative emotions that we experience, many of us are experiencing relational conflicts, right? We've done something to hurt someone or someone has done something to hurt us or it's been a mixture of both. One or more of our relationships is just full of discord, full of chaos, and, and there's no peace. And it's not only adults here in our country that stress, worry, anxiety, and fear, and relational conflict are impacting, but it's also impacting our kids, isn't it? You know, we've often said to our, our kids, just wait till you grow up and get out into the world, real world. If you think it's, you know, difficult now, just wait till you get older. But the real world has come for our kids, hasn't it? I mean, we have kids in our schools that are depressed or they know somebody else who's is struggling with depression. We, we have kids in our schools that are suicidal or they know someone that is, right? They, they got to worry about whether their friend that's telling them about, you know, killing themselves, are they serious? Are they joking? How do I deal with that, Right? We have kids that are overwhelmed by the academic pressure that they're under. We have kids wondering when the next mass shooting will be and will it be at their school. We have kids that are sick of being ostracized because a particular group of girls just wants to exclude them. We have kids that are sick of the gossip that's happening on social media. We have kids that are sick of having parents that are emotionally disconnected and living lives more dysfunctional than they are. Stress, worry, anxiety, fear. Can anybody relate to that this morning? Perhaps you can. Perhaps your life is characterized by chaos and not peace. Perhaps you're overwhelmed and, you, and you're wondering how long can I really stay afloat? 
how long until the waves just finally take me under? I'm sick of fighting, and I don't know if I can go on much longer. Peace, does it exist? I think so. And I believe the passage that we're going to look at this morning is going to tell us how we can get it. So let me pray, and then I will read our passage. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, the Prince of Peace, we thank you for yourself. We, we thank you that you are here with us, that you're alive, that the death could not hold you, that the chaos that surrounded your death could not keep you down, and that you live to give peace to weary hearts and souls. Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that nothing could stop you for coming to us and rescuing us. Lord, I pray as we look at this passage this morning that you, as, as the passage says, that you would open up our hearts to understand the scriptures. We know it's by your spirit that we can understand the truth that is found in that word. Open up every heart this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right, let me just give you a brief bit of context before I read the passage. So Jesus has already been crucified, and the disciples, they're hiding out in a room. They're like, you know, they're, they're, their world has just stopped. It's just been totally, it's just completely unraveled. You know, their best friend, their leader, the one that they thought was the king, the one that would bring them salvation from the Romans, had just been brutally murdered. The one that they had followed for the last three years, dead. Best friend, dead. And so now we find them in a room not knowing what to do, gathered together. So let me read to you Luke 24, 36 through 49. Also, one other piece of context you need to know, two men were walking on the road to Emmaus, and Brett read this earlier, and as they were walking, they encountered the resurrected Christ, and now they're going to that room that the disciples are hiding out in, and they're telling the disciples the report, like, we've seen Jesus is alive, we've, we've met him on the road when we were going to Emmaus. So let me read it for you here. Luke 24, verses 36 through 49. Now, as, the, as they said these things, the two men who had encountered the resurrected Christ, and they were saying these things to the group of disciples hiding out, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. 
And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written. And thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. All right, so from this passage, that's the passage. Here are the three things I want to focus on with you this morning. The resurrection provides peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with others. So the resurrection provides peace with God, Peace with ourselves and peace with others. Let's look at the first one, peace with God. You know, uh, Jesus' disciples knew what it was like to be stressed out, overwhelmed, and afraid. As I mentioned here, they are hiding out. Why are they hiding out in a room? It's because they were fearing for their life. They had associated themselves with Jesus. And And the Romans had just killed Jesus, and so they're afraid that based on their association to Jesus that the Romans and the Jews are going to find them, and they may end up on a cross as well. The Gospel of John tells us that they were hiding out of fear. I also mentioned how this has just been a whirlwind of a week for the disciples, They started out the week by coming into Jerusalem with Jesus as people were shouting, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What that means is that the people were yelling that, hey, Jesus is our promised deliverer. He, save us, please. That's, That's what they were saying. They had believed that Jesus would come and rescue them from the brutal Roman rule that they were under. But as the week progressed, we find they found that Jesus was arrested, was charged with leading an insurrection, a rebellion, and then he was crucified and killed. And so we find the disciples huddled in this room not knowing what to do. They put their money on the wrong horse in the race. Right? They, they left everything for the last three years to follow this Jesus. And they truly believed he was the chosen one. The disciples were stressed out. They were depressed. They had lost this one who they had grown to love. And he was killed. You know, put under an unfair trial and killed based on false charges. Their whole dream of salvation was crushed. And so it's into this situation where their world had stopped turning, where they were living a nightmare that was true, that they weren't waking up from, where they are just filled with chaos on the inside and outside, that the resurrected Christ appears to them. And notice what his words are to these terrified disciples. What are Jesus' first word to these men? Peace. Peace to you. The resurrected Christ enters into their chaos and tells them peace. 
You know, Jesus wants to enter into your chaos and bring you peace. He's the master of it. And then Jesus, he goes on to show his disciples, like, here's my flesh. You know, feel my bones. See, this is really me. It's not a ghost. It's not a spirit. You're not seeing a vision. This is me in the flesh. I, this is the physical me. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. It's the same Jesus that was on the cross. Look at my scars. Look at my nail-pierced hands. Now, why was this to bring the disciples peace? Why would Jesus' resurrection bring them peace? Was it because now they were going to have their best friend back and they could spend time with him? Was it now that they knew he wasn't lying to them all this time? Was it, was it that? I, well, I think that was part of what was to bring them peace, that Jesus was going to be with them. But I think that's only a small part of it. The scripture says that Jesus then, he opened up the scriptures, which would be what we have in our Old Testament. So Jesus basically said to his disciples, check out the Old Testament. You see, you see everything in the Old Testament here? All along, it was pointing to me. The Old Testament is all about the story of me, my life, and why I had to die. And why I then had to be raised to life. Um, he, he says this in Luke 24, 46. He says, it was necessary, he says this to his disciples, it was necessary for me to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Why? And he goes on in, in Luke 24, 47. So that repentance and remission, remission is just another word for forgiveness, of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? He's saying to his disciples, look, the reason why you can have peace and the reason why I said that to you is because my resurrection, you got to catch this, my resurrection proves that, the, that God the Father accepted my death on the cross for you. Him raising me from the dead was his stamp of approval that it is finished. Because if the Father wouldn't have raised the Son from the dead, then he would just be a rotten corpse in the tomb, and we would still be dead in our sin. In fact, that's what the Apostle Paul said. Hey, if he hasn't risen, we're to be pitied among, you know, more than anybody else because we're still dead in our sins and we're following this guy who is obviously a, either a lunatic or a liar. But he's alive and so now we can receive forgiveness. You know, um, God, there's peace with God when you know he's no longer counting your sin against you. That when you come in repentance and faith to Christ, when you trust what Jesus did on the cross for you and you believe that he is alive and the Father accepted his payment in your place, there you then have peace with God. Your sin no longer separates you from God. You no longer have to fear being punished by God. 
The Bible says over and over that our sin separates us from a holy God. And the Bible also tells us that sin is more than just a choice to break a rule or breaking the rules. Sin is really this attitude of the heart and mind that says, you know what? I'm going to do life my way apart from God. I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to spend my time how I want to. I'm going to spend my money how I want to. I'm going to use my talents in the gifts that, by the way, God gave me how I want to, right? That's the, the, the posture of sin. And the Bible says that this just cuts us off from God. And it, it also tells us that there's coming a day when Jesus is going to return and he's going to judge every person that has ever lived, And he's going to rid the world of sin and death. And if we are people that persist in living a life that is separated from God, apart from God, doing it our own way and not God's way, he's going to remove us to a place that the Bible calls hell. And he's going to make this world new and peaceful again. We are guilty All of us, we've all chosen to do things our own way. And that's exactly why Jesus had to come, so that he could pay that penalty that our sin deserves, which is death. And so Jesus, he hung on the cross for you and me so that we can have peace with God. So that we no longer have to fear that judgment and Jesus' return, but yet look forward to it so that we can be a part of this new world that God's going to make. And so I ask you this morning, do you have peace with God? Have you repented, which is to turn from that, I'm going to do it my way apart from God, and have you turned towards God and have come to him and said, You're the Lord of the world. You died for me. Teach me how to live for you. And if you have, you have peace with God. If not, then you're still at war against God, and God does not lose. We can have peace with God. The resurrection proves it. Secondly, we can have peace with ourselves. You know, uh, the reason often, well, the reason why we don't have peace with ourselves is because we don't have peace with God. But once we have peace with God, he's like the top button in the shirt, right? You get that lined up right, then all yourself gets lined up right, and then all your other relationships, the other buttons in your shirt get lined up right. So because of the resurrection, we can have inner peace about our past, There are so many people that are walking around in such shame and guilt over the mistakes that they have made. But the resurrection proves that Jesus is alive. His death really counted for my sins. And I am forgiven by trusting in that. And if if he forgives me, then I can learn to forgive myself. That I can learn to let go of my regrets. I don't have to continue to carry that heavy old burden 
of my shame and my guilt. Do you know this, and you need to hear this, God never uses your past against you if you're one of his children. He'll never use your past against you. Christian, you need to hear that. Because when things are coming up from your past that are causing you all kinds of shame and guilt, that is the enemy. God, he will never, for you, for those that trust in Jesus, he'll never use your past against you. So you can have peace over your past. And you know what else you can have? You can have inner peace about today. The Bible has so many wonderful promises that God gave us that for those of us who trust in Christ through faith, we have God working all things out for our good in our life. The bad, the ugly, the chaotic, God, if we're one of his children, he's working all things together for our ultimate good. Oh, the peace that comes when you believe that and you know that and you're rooted in it. The peace that comes from the promise that for the Christian, God has promised to supply the Christian with everything they need exactly when they need it. You can face any situation because you know that you're going to have what you need when you need it. Not a moment too late, not a moment too soon, you're going to have it. God also promises for those whose faith that is in Jesus that nothing can separate you from his love. He loves you so much and nothing, no, no matter what the chaotic situation is, can separate you from his love. Peace about the past, inner peace about today, inner peace about the future. God makes these amazing promises to the Jesus follower about the future, that your future is secure. Do you know what you're headed for? After this short life is over, you're headed for a resurrected body, living with the resurrected Jesus and his resurrected people on this resurrected world. That's the future glory and inheritance that you have coming your way. Our future is secure. You don't have to fear that judgment. You don't have to fear his return. You can just like pray for it to come because you look forward to it so much. And let me tell you this also. The, another way that the resurrection gives us inner peace is it gives us an inner peace about who we are becoming. Look, a big reason that we have little peace in our lives is because we are struggling with selfishness in our hearts. We are selfish people at our core. We have all these selfish desires that are raging in us. We've got envy, we've got anger, we've got jealousy, we've got pride, hatred, resentment, bitterness. We've got all these desires just going on inside of us. And, you know, the world really gives us two options in dealing with these desires that are inside of us. We can either follow them wherever they lead, which many people do, right? We see it all the time. Or we can suppress those desires, right? We can, we can try and push them down. We can try and, by sheer willpower, say no to them, right? Stuff them. But the resurrection gives us a third option, and this is so important. 
because of the resurrection, we can experience a permanent, supernatural transformation of the heart. And this is, <laughs> there's a world of difference between a morally restrained heart and a supernaturally changed heart. And only Christ promises that he can not just change you from the outside, but change you deeply in the inside. You see, a, a supernaturally trans, transformed heart isn't trying to just curb these selfish desires that we have raging in us. A supernaturally changed heart actually gets a whole new set of desires and attitudes and thoughts. Because Jesus is not a rotted corpse in a tomb somewhere, and he is alive, he is able to work in our lives today to radically, supernaturally transform our hearts. You know, when Jesus raised from the dead, and after he got done for a period of 40 days of making appearances to his disciples, he then was exalted to the right hand of God the Father in heaven, and then he poured out his supernatural power, his Holy Spirit, on his followers. And this is what Romans 8.11 says about that power. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What kind of heart does God's spirit create? What kind of heart do God, does God's spirit change a person's heart into? Galatians 5, and 23 says this. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what God's supernatural power does to a heart. These last couple of weeks, I've been able to talk about some, or not talk about, talk with some new Christians, some of them that are getting baptized in two weeks from now. And, and what's been so cool as I've talked to these baby believers is the new desires that God is giving them, a hunger to know God, a hunger to know his word, a hunger to serve people. This is all God supernaturally transforming their hearts. It's quite remarkable. I see also, too, this, this freedom from their past mistakes and failures, this peace, right? You know, all other world religions will tell you that you need to get yourself together. You need to figure it out and make yourself acceptable to God. And if you do a good enough job, then maybe he'll, he will accept you. And Christianity teaches that, no, the way it works is that Jesus has done everything to make you acceptable to God. You receive that acceptance through faith. It's, it's a free gift that you receive through faith. And then God comes inside of you and he starts supernaturally changing you. Peace with God. Peace with yourself. And thirdly and finally, the resurrection provides peace with others. I believe it was Thomas Merton who said this, you do not have peace with others because you don't have peace with yourself. 
And you don't have peace with yourself because you don't have peace with God. That's how it flows. You see, when we have peace with God and we grow in our understanding of how much he loves us, then we start, we start growing and, and having peace in ourselves. And then that leads us then to love people well. That leads us to, to really care about people just to care about them. And not, it's not about us and getting something from them. But if we remain disconnected from God, we're never going to have peace inside of ourselves. And we're never going to have peace with other people. Hurt people do what? They hurt people, right? Broken people do broken things. James, Jesus' brother, made this connection, right? Who, by the way, James thought Jesus was just a crazy man until he rose from the dead. And it rocked James' world. And he became like one of the most important leaders in the early church. Just another proof as to why this, this stuff really happened. James 4, 1 and 2 says this, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members, that war in your body? You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and you war. See what James is saying? He's saying, look, the reason why your relationships are all messed up is because you're messed up on the inside. And then James, if you keep reading that, that chapter, he goes on to say, and the reason you're all messed up inside is because you're got a, you don't have a relationship with God. It's broken. And if we don't have that peace with God and we don't have that inner peace with ourselves, we are going to seek to control people. We're going to seek to manipulate people. We're going to seek to look, our nose, or look down our noses at people. We're going to seek revenge when we're wronged. We're not going to be able to take criticism. You're going to desire what other, what other people have, and you're going to hate them for having it, right? But if you have peace with God, you have this intimate, life-giving relationship with him, and you've come to just really appreciate who God has made you, you come to know your strengths, and you come to be okay with your weaknesses. You're not trying to be somebody you're not, and you, and you come to, and you got that peace inside of you. Boy, then, then, you, then no matter what life throws at your face and throws in your path, you're going to be unflappable. You're going to be unmovable. You're going to be unshakable. You got this peace knowing that God is in control, that you are forgiven, that your future is secure, that, he, that he's going to supply everything you need. And you're going to be able to really love people around you. You're going to be able to take criticism. You're going to be able to forgive when you're wronged. You're going to be able to give people the benefit of the doubt. You're going to be able to extend grace to people. And you know what? God could so supernaturally change your heart that you may even be able to love your enemies. That's what resurrection power can do. Look, our society will tell you, if you don't have peace in your life, change your circumstances. Get a divorce. Find a new spouse. Go get a new car. Go buy a new house. Go whatever, right? Go, go change your circumstances. Move. Get out of town. Get a new wardrobe. 
Could it be that instead of your circumstances needing to change, you need to change? Could it be that instead of your externals having to be different, your internals, just made up a word, maybe, needs to be different, right? The Apostle Paul, he was a man that loved Jesus, and he had peace with God, and he had peace with himself. And so he was able to write, I've learned the secret of being content in all circumstances. The man was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was left for dead. He was stoned. I mean, this guy went through it all. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. His peace was in Jesus. And so it didn't matter how his circumstances changed because his peace wasn't resting on circumstances. It wasn't found in circumstances. If your peace is based on circumstances, look out. You're going to be high one day. You're going to be low the next and back and forth. You're going to be like the waves of the sea tossed around. Do you know this peace that surpasses understanding? I had a some difficult things this past week, and I'm driving home, and I'm like, I feel so peaceful. Why am I so at peace? I should be stressed out and overwhelmed. Praise God. He's teaching me this. I'm not great at it. He is, he is he's supernaturally changing my heart to be content in all circumstances. Look. Stop trying to find your rest in work. Stop trying to find your peace and rest in owning a bunch of stuff and amassing wealth. Stop trying to find your peace and rest in appearance. Stop trying to find your peace and rest in people's opinions of you. Jesus says this, and I'll close with this, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, that's his teaching, and learn from me, he says. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, he can say that because he's alive, right? Jesus is the champion of the restless. The resurrection gives us peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, oh, we're so glad for you. We're so glad that you live and you reign and that by your spirit living inside of us, we can have the sweetest of relationship uh, with you. We thank you that that power that lives in us is a supernatural power that doesn't just give us like some energy to try and not do the things that we should and, and try and not or try and do the things we should but that it actually comes and it just gives us a new heart with new attitudes and new desires and Lord we know that's a, a lifelong process and you are the great heart surgeon and you're continually working on us Lord I pray that the people here would learn the secret that Paul learned that the people here, Lord, would trust their life to you. Lord, I pray. That's the first step. If there's anybody here this morning that has not 
surrendered their life to you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that your spirit would so move them to make that decision, that they would cry out to you, that they would ask you to come in and to just rework them from the inside out. And Lord, for those of us who have done that, Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace to be at peace with ourselves, that you would help us to overcome our past, that we would have peace about today and peace for tomorrow, about tomorrow. And Lord, I also pray that the people here would be so overflowing with joy and love and mercy from you that it can't help but just spill out uh, to the people around them. Lord, you are alive. We praise you for it. Lord, help us to be ambassadors of that wonderful news. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.